0: If you will turn in your Bibles to Psalm 116, Psalm 116, as we continue our study through the Word. Now, this is a, a thanksgiving, this psalm here, and, and there is a, a deliverance the psalmist that now is is sick he is in danger of death and he cries out now to the lord and and we are going to see the lord's deliverance now he says in verse 1 i love the lord because he has heard my voice and my supplications, because he has inclined his ear to me, and therefore I will call upon him as long as I live. We see the psalmist that here declares that that when he cries out to the Lord, that, that the Lord listens. How important it is in our life to know that God is actually there. Amen? That he loves us, that he desires for us to bring our prayers our supplications uh, to him and and here the psalmist is declaring that he has heard my voice uh, in my supplications he says that this has given him now the confidence to what to continue to cry out to him and it says all the days uh, of my life i will cry out to you when you cry out and there is no response then that limits your desire to continue to cry out. But when you cry out and God responds, that encourages you to continue to cry out. And so here we see the psalmist is encouraged and makes the declaration that he is going to call upon the Lord as long as he lives. He says, the pains of death surrounded me and the pangs of Sheol laid hold of me. I found in trouble and sorrow. Then I called upon the name of the Lord. O Lord, I implore you, deliver my soul. The pains of death surrounded me. There is an absolute certainty, one absolute certainty in life, and that is that your life will end. Amen? Well, at some point in time, you are going to die. And there is that, that never knowing where that line is. When is my breath going to be my last breath? Here we see that the psalmist now is declaring that man, life was closing in around him. His life was being threatened, and and sometimes we we see that happens through illness. We see a doctor's report and tests come back and they tell us now that that the that 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 little bump that you thought was nothing has very serious ramifications and and suddenly now whereas before a thought to when your life is going to end wasn't even on your register suddenly here now the fragile nature of uh, life. Here we see the psalmist and tells us that, that he got into that place where now death looked like it was closing in. It was fast approaching to him. And, and he says, and then I called upon the name of the Lord. Oh Lord, I implore you, deliver my soul. He was crying out to be rescued uh, by God. And we see in verse 5 that it says, Gracious is the Lord and righteous. Yes, our God is merciful. And the Lord preserves the simple. I was brought low and he saved me. We see here again that, that there is this thanksgiving And we see that there is this praise for God's graciousness. Now, what is grace? Grace is when you receive a blessing that you don't deserve. That that is grace. Unmerited favor. We see that he doesn't say that the Lord delivered me because I'm a righteous dude. (laughs) He didn't say that I deserve to be saved. Look at all the things that, that I have done. And we have a righteous God. God was right to save me to rescue me here he says the exact uh, opposite gracious is the lord i didn't deserve god's favor i didn't deserve to be saved but god is merciful and so what is mercy mercy is not receiving what you didn't deserve and we all re- deserve judgment and so to not receive judgment is mercy upon god And here he says that the Lord preserves the simple. We see humility here again in his approach to God. He he, he doesn't say that, of course, the Lord is going to preserve me. Look at how important uh, I am. It doesn't say that the Lord preserves uh, the important, but that he preserves the, the simple. And I was brought low. I was brought to a recognition of my unimportance. So oftentimes we can be so puffed up with ourselves that we forget the greatness of God. I think that social media and Facebooks and likes and creating your pages and creating your albums and wanting everybody to see what you're doing and like your page and all of that. I I think that there is a, a... A danger in getting too consumed with broadcasting your lives to other to where you are the star of your life. And instead of God is the star of my life and exalting God uh, here, we we work so hard at exalting ourselves. And but here he says that I, I was brought low. I was brought to a right perspective. And this is the the right perspective. God, what is man that you are even mindful of us? You are so great. You are so awesome. You are so holy. You are so righteous. You are so pure. God, it is amazing that you would even be mindful of us. I was brought low. I was brought to a a right perspective of myself, and he saved me. In his grace, in his mercy, in his compassion, he reached down, and he saved me. In verse 7, now he is on the other side of the danger, and look at what he says uh, here now. Return to your rest, O my soul for the Lord has dealt bountifully with you return to your rest i i like that phrase to, to talk to yourself return to your rest you know so why are you disquieted uh, within me you know here we see that he says now re- return to your rest everything is going to be okay god god has moved uh, on my behalf and and i have experienced the the grace of god in fact the lord has dealt bountifully Bountifully. And remember that that's the way that God works, that God operates, that he is the God that does exceedingly abundantly above what you could hope, think, or even ask. We have a bountiful God. And here we see that now having received that mercy and that grace we we see that there is the declaration to be still now my soul in the same way when jesus was uh, in the boat with the disciples and the boat was being tempest and tossed by the storm and and jesus arises uh, up and and tells the wind and the waves to stop and suddenly now there was absolute calm in our lives when we are in a storm man our heart it is in tempest and tossed it is like that boat on the sea of galilee and and here we see that the lord stepped in and just as the lord had stilled the sea the wind had stilled his soul His grace and now he is telling himself return to your rest the lord has dealt bountifully with me for you delivered my soul from death my eyes from tears and my feet from falling i will walk before the lord in the land of the living i believed therefore i spoke i am greatly afflicted and i said in my haste all men are liars we we see that He believed that he would live. This was the confidence, even though he was greatly afflicted and he felt that he had been deceived now by those who said that he wasn't going to uh, live, that he wasn't going to be delivered. What shall I render to the Lord for all his benefits toward me? I think verse 12 is a great question for each and every person, whether you have received a, a tremendous intervention by God in your life recently or not. We have all been the recipients of grace. If you are saved, if you have received the forgiveness of your sins, then, then you have been radically saved and rescued by God and and he says what shall I render to the Lord for all his benefits and toward me we See that in the New Testament, it tells us that we are to offer ourselves up as living sacrifices. And it says that that is our just and our reasonable service. That, that the one who has died for us and given his life for us, that, that we should now offer up our lives as a reasonable service. So here, here, the psalmist is asking that question, what can I give to the Lord What can I give to the Lord who is always difficult my parents birthdays and then mother's day and father's day so hard to buy presents what do you buy somebody that already has everything and doesn't need anything and doesn't want uh, anything and it's like oh my goodness this is and then four times a year uh, six times if you include christmas now you have to get a gift for somebody that doesn't need anything and doesn't want anything it's like you know how do i give a gift to god like, God, what do you need today? You know, I, I, I mean, what do you want? What, what, what can I offer you? How can I express? Because what it's really saying is gifts are, are an offer. They're an expression of love, are they not? And so, God, I want to show you. I want to show you that I, I love you. Love loves to be expressed uh, and the inability to express uh, love is frustrating and and so here the psalmist wants to wants to do something wonderful for god god i want you to be blessed what what can i render to you what can i give to you how can i bless you god how can i make you smile god how can you make god smile how can you cause him to just beam down upon you and this is the 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 question that is on the psalmist's uh, heart here how can i make you smile i will take up the cup of salvation and call upon the name of the lord i will pay my vows uh, to the lord now in the presence of all his people, those promises. One way you can make God smile is this. Keep your promises to God. So many times we make promises. God, if you will just get me out of this, I will never, ever, never, never, ever, never, ever, ever again. And, and we make this vow. We make this promise to, to God and, and, and vows to God keeping our word god keeps his word to us amen and when we make a promise to to god then uh, then keeping that promise that uh, that makes god smile that pleases god when we reflect his character that pleases god in integrity and honesty that is the character of god and so reflecting that in character in our relationship with god that and that makes God smile. And, and I will pay my vows to the Lord now in the presence of all his people. Precious in the sight of the Lord is the death of his saints. The Lord cares intensely for you and for me. And God knows that death is difficult for us. God knows that saying goodbye to loved ones and departing from this life, even though where we are going is so much better than than where we are departing from. You know, Paul talks about the fact that, that he doesn't know whether he is going to go home to be with the Lord or not. And he says that it would be more profitable for you if I stay here. But he says it would be better for me if... Uh, if I'm home, the Lord. Death is never an intended end to our life when God created us. He didn't create us to go through that pain and that hardship of death In heaven, there will be no death. We will experience life and the abundant life that God created us for. Sin entered in and with sin came death and the sorrow of death. But God is there to comfort us and to help us uh, through death. Precious in the sight of the Lord is the death of his saints. Oh Lord, truly I am your servant. I am your servant, the son of your maid servant. You have loosed my bonds. I will offer to you the sacrifice of what? Thanksgiving. thanksgiving. So a sacrifice that we can give to God is a, is a sacrifice uh, of thanksgiving. Just a thankful heart. Just a thankful heart. As a parent, one of the things that blesses me the most is just a heartfelt thank you from our kids, when when they just stop and acknowledge that I'm so thankful for what you have done for me. And that Thanksgiving is is the best here we see that uh, that the psalmist says that i'm going to offer you that i am going to bring you the sacrifice of thanksgiving it says and will call upon the name of the lord and so here what is he talking about he's talking about blessing god and he's talking about relationship with god every relationship requires communication If you're going to build a healthy relationship, then you have to have good communication. That's what builds any healthy relationship. If you're going to have a healthy relationship with God, you need good communication with God. Amen? Amen. And so calling upon the name of the Lord, talking to the Lord, praying. This is all your communication with God. Reading the Word of God. Listening. Opening up your heart to what God is leading you in and teaching and instructing you. That's listening to God. And so a, a relationship, in order for it to be successful, you must both uh, communicate, you need to speak, and you also need to listen. You need to be able to have both of those in skill sets. In your relationship with God, question, are you better at listening or are you better at speaking? At communicating, at pouring your heart out to God. And I think that oftentimes people would say that they are better at pouring their heart out to God than stopping and trying to listen to what God is trying to say to you. And, and then I think about that and I'm like, okay. If you could only be better at one of the two, which would it be better to be good at? Would it be better for you to tell God what he already knows? Or for you to listen to what you have no idea God is going to say and tell you? And the answer is, be good at both. Because there is such a drawing near, there is such a processing through when we talk to God about what we are going through to be able to take our feelings out and know that, God, we can be real with God. We can tell Him how we are feeling. We can bring our emotions. We can talk to Him about how upset we are with, uh, with what's happening in our lives, how unfair this feels right now. And man, you can be real with God. God wants you to be real with Him. You know, it's like, Lord, I'm so mad and frustrated. Oh, I'm sorry, God, I'm not supposed to be mad. I'm not supposed to be... You know, you don't need to do that. You don't don't need to, to shield what you're going through from God. God understands completely. You have a high priest who understands you, Jesus Christ, who sits at the right hand of the Father, who in every way went through the human experience. He understands you, and he loves you. And he is here to listen God is the best listener that there is amen Amen. I mean have you ever had a good listener a person that just you love to talk to them because they're so good at at listening and just kind of you know helping you by listening to you that is such a blessing and God is there to listen to you to listen to you anytime And, and here we see that he says that He's going to call upon the name of the Lord. God is not going to be unfamiliar with my voice. With my voice. My voice is not going to be a stranger in God's ear. God is going to be very familiar with the sound of my voice. Is God familiar with the sound of your voice? Because he wants to be. He wants to be. I will pay my vows to the Lord now in the presence of all his people in the courts of the Lord's house in the midst of you O Jerusalem praise the Lord the psalm ends with mm, praise the Lord Psalm 117 very long psalm in front of us uh, here this is the <laughs> shortest of of all of the psalms so we're going to be able to rapidly get through this psalm uh here we see that this is an invitation to people everywhere to praise the Lord for, uh, for his covenant to love, for his faithful love. Now, verse one says, Praise the Lord, all you Gentiles. Laud him, all you peoples. Now, I want you to know verse one is prophecy. There is prophecy right now. The, the, this is written to the Jews, and the Jews thought that God was their God, but here we see that there is the promise uh, that that god is the god beyond just the jews and that the the wild olive is going to be grafted uh, into the root the gentiles and uh, now will be grafted into the the root of david and god's uh, people and so gentiles being god's people that was foreign to them they they allowed you as, a, uh, as the Jews, as the temple there, they allowed you as a Gentile to go to the court of the Gentiles. You could go over there. It's very segregated. You had the Jews and then you had the rest of the world. And the Jews could go into the temple and they could worship the, the Gentiles. They were outside and they were not allowed to, to come in. Under penalty of death, if you came into the temple and you were not a Jew, there there was a sign that do not proceed under penalty of death. Now, you remember that the Romans did not allow for uh, capital execution for uh, crimes when they took over the Jews. But you know what they turned a blind eye to is that right there. If somebody went <laughs> into the temple, you'll remember that they were going to tear Paul apart uh, in the temple and, the, uh, and they had to come from the Antonio Fortress that, that sat over it and, and the tumult that was uh, going on there. But you were not allowed to go into the temple if you were not Jewish. If you wanted to go into the temple and you were a Gentile, you had to convert to judaism you had to undergo you had to become a proselyte and you had to undergo circumcision you had to go through the whole thing to then become a jew then you could go into the temple so the idea that the jews had and understood was that the gentiles will all become jews and then we'll all be god's people but here we see the the promises that no the Gentiles are going to become God's people. In fact, that was the big, big battle in the early church was whether or not the the, the Gentiles had to become Jews in order to be saved. In other words, whether or not the church was underneath judaism or whether the church was over here and jews and gentiles could come in and be on equal footing with one another and we see over and over where it talks about there is now no longer jew or gentile male or female Scythian barbarian and slave or free that we are all equal at the foot of the cross and so this here written in the old testament is a prophecy of where now the gentiles are going to be god's people and and you remember that jesus said that i have other flocks and and that was a a reference now to the church and to the non-jew you remember how paul when he evangelized he went to the jew first and then to the gentile but we see that there is the encompassing equality in the church that Judaism did not have. And so here we see praise the Lord, all you Gentiles, laud him, all you peoples. And to laud means to say <laughs> praiseworthy things about uh, a person. For his merciful kindness is great <laughs> and towards us. And so here again, we see the mercy of God, the forgiveness of our sins. And the truth of the Lord endures how long? Forever. And so here we see the attributes of the Lord that are cause for praise. His mercy, His kindness, and His truth. We see that there is no fading. There is no departure. There is no change in His love and His goodness toward us. And that is worthy to be praised. And so we see that Psalm 117 is a short psalm, but we see the expansive nature of that song and the prophetic nature of that psalm there uh, as well. Psalm 118, this is the last uh, of the psalms that make up what we've been looking at here. Psalms 113 to Psalms 118, we see that these psalms are known as the Hallel Psalms. They're known as the Praise Psalms. In fact, they're known as the Egyptian Hallel uh, Psalms because these were the psalms that you would recite. They would recite these psalms that, that celebrated the praise of god but they would recite them at the passover they would recite them at the feast of tabernacles and at pentecost on the the major feasts these uh, psalms uh, would be recited and one of the ways that you would recite them is as you were coming now to uh, jerusalem you would recite them in the temple as well you also recite these uh, psalms at the passover And so this last psalm here, so these psalms that we've been looking at, when you look at the Last Supper, when Jesus now sits down with his disciples to enjoy that last meal, these psalms are read as part of the Passover here. And so this last psalm here, is the last psalm that you read, that you recite at the Passover. And so, as the Lord, you'll remember that they sang a hymn as they were departing out uh, of uh, the... Uh, out of the uh, the upper room, and they started to head over to the Kidron Valley, across the Kidron Valley into the Mount of Olives. Uh, Judas having departed, and Jesus now going over to where he would experience the agony in the garden, awaiting now his arrest. This Psalm here was a Psalm that Jesus himself sang as he was leaving it now that in the upper room that's going to be significant because i want you to imagine some of the words in here that jesus is going to be reciting while he is uh, on his way to his betrayal there when judas shows up and and betrays him with a kiss. You'll remember that he leaves Judas with what you do, do quickly, and Judas departs uh, into the night. But the next time that he sees Judas, Judas is going to be with a, uh, a group of soldiers uh, and temple authorities that have come now with um, torches and, and spears and clubs and weapons to uh, arrest him and swords. We see here that jesus now is is going to go and drink the cup that the father has set before him but but this was a psalm that that he himself recites and in verse one it says oh give thanks to the lord for he is good for his mercy endures how long forever so this term his mercy endures forever this phrase is used 34 times so we're going to see that in 34 times his mercy endures forever his mercy endures forever his mercy endures forever and i just find that amazing that as jesus now is heading over to the the garden of gethsemane the refrain that is going over and over out of his mouth as he is headed to the cross is is that God's mercy endures forever. That his mercy endures forever. That his mercy endures forever. I will give thanks to God for he is good. I will give thanks to God as I am picking up the cup of sin that he is going to now consume and defile himself with all of the sin. His mercy endures forever. Let Israel now say, His mercy endures forever. Let the house of Aaron now say, His mercy endures forever. Let those who fear the Lord now say, His mercy endures forever. And so, Israel is the nation, the house of Aaron is the priesthood, and then the whole world, everybody who fears the Lord, And so we have the Jews, the priests, and and the entire world. His mercy endures forever. I called on the Lord in distress. And the Lord answered me. And set me in a broad place. I called on the Lord in distress. Jesus is going to sweat blood the distress of the cross was so great the tearing the ripping apart of the communion and fellowship that jesus had with the father from eternity past now as jesus who knew no sin takes sin upon himself that that fellowship and communion is going to be torn asunder I called on the Lord in distress. Bring your distress to the Lord. Whatever is distressing you tonight. Is there anything distressing you tonight at all? Is there anything in your life that isn't absolutely perfect? (laughs) Right now that's putting pressure (laughs) on you? Then cry out to the Lord. Bring your distress to the Lord. I will tell you what God does not want and what you were not created for. To suffer in silence. You were not created to suffer in silence. To take your suffering and to hold on to it and to bury it and to just digest it yourself. God has said, bring your troubles to me. Call out to me in the day of trouble. Lift up your voice to me. He says to me, you have not because you... Because you ask not, because you're not bringing your troubles to me. You're not seeking my aid, my assistance. We're we're running to and fro everywhere. But we don't run to God. I called on the Lord in distress, and it says, and and the Lord answered. He called on, on the Lord. He goes into the, the garden and you'll remember that he leaves the eight right outside there and then he takes the, the three, Peter, James, and John. He, he brings them in a little bit and further with them and then he goes further and he falls down on his face and, and he begins it interceding, pleading before the Lord, before the Father. For strength. And, and here's what's interesting to me. Luke's gospel in verses 43 and 44 chapter 22, it says then an angel appeared to him from heaven strengthening him. The Lord got to that place where, where he said, I don't know if I can make it. I don't know if I can do this. I don't know if I can get all the way through this to the, to the cross. And he brings his distress now to God. And the Father sends an angel to go and strengthen him. And then Jesus was able to continue. Here is something that I noticed for the first time ever. In my mind, I always saw Jesus' agony in the garden. I see him sweating blood. I see him crying out to the Lord. And then I, I, I see him crying out, and I see God sending the angel to minister to him, and then him arising and standing up, and now, come, let us go from there. No. No. The Lord sends the angel to Jesus to strengthen him before Jesus ever sweats the blood. Gives him the strength to be able to endure the agony that brings about the sweating in the blood. He isn't comforted at the end uh, by an angel. He's strengthened by the angel to what? To go through the agony to be able to get victory on the other side of the agony. And I think so oftentimes we pray for the deliverance and, and, and we want that and comfort on the other side of it instead of the strengthening to go through what you are going through. Are you in any discomfort right now? Is our culture or COVID-19 or anything causing you any discomfort <laughs> whatsoever? And, and this is what I know. I just wish COVID would go away. <laughs> Right? We, we want deliverance uh, from it. Amen. But here we see that, uh, that the angel was sent to strengthen Jesus to be able to go through it and to be able to agonize all the way through to victory and to glory. I called on the Lord in distress. Jesus now is reciting this as he is headed over to the, the Garden of Gethsemane. And the Lord answered. The Lord, verse 6, is on my side. I will not fear. What can man do to me? They can crucify me. They can shred my back. They can pound a crown of thorns uh, into my head. They can mock me and spit on me and pull my beard out. But the Lord is for me among those who help me. And therefore, I shall see my desire on those who hate me. In this battle between Satan, death, and sin, we see that Jesus will have the ultimate victory. I will see my desire. I will take death into the grave and I will come back out and I will destroy death. In Hebrews 13, 6, it says, So we may boldly say the Lord is my helper. I will not fear. What can man do to me? We see again that the issue is what can man do to me? What, What can man do to affect my relationship with God and my eternal destination? And the answer is nothing. The Bible tells us to be absent from the body is to be is to be present with the Lord. And Jesus himself said, what does it profit a man if he should gain the whole world and lose his soul? How can a man, can a man affect the condition of your soul and your eternal destination? And Man can't touch that. The Bible says that if you're born twice, you only die once. But if you're only born once, you will die twice. And so what can man do to me? They can do nothing to my eternal relationship with God. It is better to trust in the Lord than to put confidence in man. It is better to trust in the Lord than to put confidence in in princes. It's better to turn to God than to trust in human resources. All nations surrounded me. But in the name of the Lord I will destroy them. They surrounded me. Yes, they surrounded me. But in the name of the Lord I will destroy them. They surrounded me like bees. They were quenched like a fire of thorns. For in the name of the Lord I will destroy them. We see three times in the name of the Lord uh, that I will destroy them actually means circumcised, the word for circumcised. They will be. Cut off. In the name of the Lord, they will be cut off. You pushed me violently that I might fall, but the Lord helped me. The Lord is my strength and song, and He has become my salvation. You pushed me violently that I might fall. Jesus is singing this psalm as Judas is betraying him for the 30 pieces of silver at the time that Jesus is singing this psalm now, this hymn. But the Lord helped me. The Lord is my strength and song, and he has become my salvation. The voice of rejoicing and salvation is in the tents of the righteous. The right hand of the Lord does valiantly. The right hand of the Lord is exalted. The right hand of the Lord uh, does valiantly. And I shall not die, but live and declare the works of the Lord. And the Lord has chastened me severely, but he has not given me over to death. Open to me the gates of righteousness. I will go through them and I will praise the Lord. This is the gate of the Lord through which the righteous uh, shall enter. Open to me the gates of righteousness. And Jesus went to the cross to do exactly that, to open up the gates uh, to eternal righteousness. And I shall not die, but live. Jesus says, I have the authority, I have the power to lay my life down and I will pick my life back up again. I will praise you for you have answered me and have become my salvation. Ready for this? The stone which the builders rejected has become the chief cornerstone. And this was the Lord's doing. It is marvelous in our eyes. On the way to Gethsemane, Jesus says, the stone that the builders have rejected. The builders are the religious leaders. And as Jesus is going to be arrested by who the temple guard uh, from the religious leaders. That stone that, that they are rejecting is going to become the chief cornerstone of the church and this was the Lord's doing it is marvelous in our eyes it's marvelous in our eyes that Jesus is the chief and cornerstone but but it's not marvelous to be rejected it's not marvelous to be betrayed In verse 24 though, this is the day the Lord has made and we will rejoice and be glad in it. And Jesus is reciting that on his way over to the garden of Gethsemane. Save now, I pray, O Lord. O Lord, I pray, send now prosperity. Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. We have blessed you from the house of the uh, Lord, these are the, uh, the the same words now that the crowds shouted out at the triumphal entry as Jesus uh, made his way and his approach just uh, uh, earlier in that wig. Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. And Hosanna translates the Save Now. That's the Hosannas. The, as he's going to the Garden of Gethsemane, the echo of the Hosannas and the Save Nows are being recited in the very psalm that the disciples and Jesus. God is the Lord, and He has given us light. Bind the sacrifice with cords to the horns of the altar jesus is the passover lamb he is the sacrifice that is going on to that altar and you are my god and i will praise you you are my god i will exalt you even as jesus himself is going to be bound and taken into in captivity, and like a, a sheep before its shearers, he is in silent and utters not a word. Oh, give thanks to the Lord, for he is good. For his mercy endures how long? Forever. Forever. Let's pray. No greater love is a man than this and he would lay down his life for a friend. We cannot even begin to comprehend the depth of your love toward us. But you demonstrated it by taking our sin upon yourself and going to the cross. Jesus, thank you. What can we offer to you? How can we demonstrate our love for you? We will bring a sacrifice of praise and thanksgiving to you. So Lord, help us if we are in distress in our life right now. So much distress. May we cry out in our distress. And Lord, may you send a messenger, send an angel, Lord, to strengthen us. To be able to go through our trials well. To be able to stand up underneath the discomfort, the distress, the hardship, the uncertainty, Lord. Certainly we have not anguished to the level of sweating blood in our life. And so, God, thank you for the example of Jesus. And help us now to cry out in our distress and to be strengthened by you. And it's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen, amen.